from 2 Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 from the ESV. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints, for I know your readiness, of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year. And your zeal has stirred up most of them, but I am sending the brothers, so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I have said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated, to say nothing of you, for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Okay, well, I hope you can, you can hear me. Give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Fantastic, okay. Um, well, a number of years ago, I um, did, I think, what they call a, a bucket list, or at least I wrote or some of the things I wanted to achieve in the next uh, 10, 15 years of, of my working life, and um, give me an opportunity just to reflect what was important to me, and uh, to, I suppose, just write down what God had put in my heart, or, or um, yeah, um, like not trying to constrain my my thoughts to um, to just what's possible, but just you know what if I could do anything, what would it would, would it be? And there on there were various projects that I wanted to do in sort of helping folks who were uh, least fortunate in in this city and around the world. I I wanted to um, 
it, I thought it might be great to, to work overseas. That's not done. I thought it'd be great to take a trip around Europe um, on train with my, um, and um, obviously that's not very easy with, uh, with four kids with a small, small one, but again, I was, um, you know, that's something I thought yeah, that'd be great to do. Um, and then also at that time we were praying for a family. So on the fourth one, tick, 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 um, <laughs> the family. So, yeah. And I wonder what would be on your, your list. What, what would you say that God wants you to do in these next 10 years? And most of us desire that our life is, won't be wasted. Uh, we want our life to, to count in some way, don't we? And my life most definitely has been marked by that desire to make my life count. And sometimes maybe that's been motivated by um, more fleshly desires of, of, of not wanting to, to maybe be a success or to have some success. But very often I pray that's being marked by a God-given inspiration that that um, we want to make the most of the time that God has given to us. Um, but like, um, like me, maybe there are times when um, you experience something of maybe a drift you look back at a period of time and you think well what what have what have i been doing for the lord and, and maybe a time of being ill disciplined or ill focused um is what's um yeah where you know that has kind of wasted some of your times you've been focused on on the wrong things and it seems to me here that paul writes here to the corinthian christians about this principle of sowing and reaping. And he wants them to know the significance of generosity in sowing, generosity in all that you do. He also wants to highlight what are some of the dangers, what are some of the killers of generosity? And then finally, he wants them to see that the life of generosity really um, leads to blessing and greater generosity in, in your life. And verses one to five just kind of set out the context where, um, so just to be clear, if you've got your Bibles there, please, you know, get them out so you can see what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. But in, in one to five, he, he's really just reminding the Corinthians church of, of, of a promise that they have made to, to give generously financially. And he says, you know, this sort of gift that they've have, have set aside for his missionary work and for the uh, ch churches. Um, has become a standard to others. And in fact, it's, it's led to um, great zeal from other believers because they have seen the way in which they have responded, the way they have sowed. And of course, Paul here is talking about finances, but, but there's more than, it's not, it's more than finance that we sow, isn't it? There's time, there's energy, there's space, there's prayers, um, there's uh, listening uh, to, to one another. In, in all these ways, we, we're sowing our life in, in, into something. And uh, so Paul says that they become, they become a standard. And he, he wants to make sure that they follow through with their gift. I don't know whether he was concerned that they wouldn't follow through or he'd got some sort of inkling that they weren't going to follow through. But he certainly says, look, he doesn't want his, his boasting about their generosity to, 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 to be in vain. Um, and he doesn't want it to bring shame on the gospel or shame on 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 them. Um, but he is um, pointing out um, a, a significant principle here in, in, in our Christian life, which is this, that whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly and whoever sows bountifully will also reap 
bountifully. So a follower of Christ is one who's to be generous. I think he's trying to say clearly so bountifully. That's the way in which we should bountifully, you know, that we should sow. We should give our all. We should give um, whatever is, is required of us. And if we do that, then the impact will be that we will reap bountifully. So there's an in and an out. There's an investment and there's a re receiving. And again, this is not a um, name it, claim it um, message. This is just the reality of the Christian life. The more we trust in the Lord, the more we rely on his grace, the more grace we take hold of to, to, and, and receive. So um, so he, he wants to... Uh, um encourage them to keep on being generous he's trying to say don't don't lose heart here in the way in which you have been generous um because if you if you um if you do so um you'll reap sparingly um but if you are, are generous in all that you do then you know the uh, you'll reap um generously and we'll we'll see a little bit later how that uh, comes to be and I think like Paul, I want to commend uh, you at Oikos for your generosity over the last 10 years. I've, there have been countless examples of your sacrificial, joy-filled giving in friendship, in time, in space, in prayer, in practical help. Um, and uh, I quite honestly don't have the time to give all the examples to you of this generosity that I, I, have, I have seen. But... Um, just a, just a few. Um, um, first, maybe just on the area of financial generosity, because there has been that. And this is, the passage starts with this. Um, you know, many of you supported myself and Joe when we uh, left two secure jobs, and Joe had an insecure job uh, for six, I think it was a three month or six month contract. Um, and even though we, we we desired not to receive any pay, you guys quietly and generously uh, gave to us. And that enabled us to to continue on the ministry, and it was a uh, you know something that we we've, we've not forgotten. That's one example. Another example uh, was that one day we came down to our front door, and the front door was actually slightly ajar. Um, the people that had put it in there hadn't closed closed the door properly, uh, which, when you realise what's good, what I'm going to say, was a bit scary. There, there was a there was a there was a packet on on the floor that said Kentucky. And I was like, oh, my goodness, me. I opened it up and there was some money in it. And it was a considerable amount of money. And I was thinking, I can't believe this. Somebody has given us a lot of money to go and buy some chicken. <laughs> like, we're going to feast on this chicken for ages. Um, but it didn't make any sense. Why would somebody give us that much money to go to go get chicken? You know, obviously, was, I thought we were talking about the Colonel, the Kentucky Fried Chicken. I thought it could only mean that. And then I remembered that there was a conference in Kentucky um, run by CCEF on mental health issues. And this gift was for us to go. And again, um, great generous gift to us that we received. Um, others, um, I can't forget the time where uh, David and Katie wanted to get married, but they were unsure if they could afford the wedding. They stepped out in faith, believing in God would meet their, meet their need. And if my memory serves me right, uh, between the church from the gospel community and the, and the wider church, um, over four thousand pounds was given to them to to bless them, so they could have a day where they could feel free uh, to celebrate what Christ had done in their life in, in bringing them to 
to, um, to faith and then also in, in their marriage. But then there are other areas of generosity that I, I've seen, countless ways of uh, way we have like practically helped one another, serving one another, helping painting uh, rooms um, in houses, uh, mowing each other's lawns, cutting trees down, um, um, laying, lawns. laying lawns. Yes, yeah, that's happened quite a few times. Um, and then who can forget the way in which people are freely given their time over cups of coffee and tea, uh, countless time over uh, with one another eating food. And yeah, there, there are just so many ways. Uh, you've been such a generous church. Please, please don't stop. Um, please don't stop. It's, it's quite easy for um, us to be, be become tired of, of doing good when doing good costs us. But, but don't stop, guys, because um, your um, generosity has been um, um, a great blessing to, to many, many people, including myself and Joe. And the generosity that we have really comes from an expression of love for one another, isn't it? And Jesus says that that, that unity, that love that we have for one another is a mark of his disciples. And, uh, and it, the, the unity that Oikos has and the generosity that we have is quite un, unusual. I was reflecting the other day how um, um, in, in, it, was, it was in a conversation with another pastor just talking about comings and goings in in church life and I reflected that I couldn't remember one person that had left us in a bad relationship uh we'd had people who wanted to stay that had to leave but we never had anybody who um had left in a in a bad way that honestly is so unusual um people fall out people leave under bad circumstances churches have a disunity and many people have come and they've gone, they've moved on to different places around the UK and, 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 and Europe and have been for a season and gone for a season. But I, but I couldn't remember, I might be wrong, but I couldn't remember anybody who'd left in a bad relationship. And so I just want to encourage you in that unity that you have, in that, that generosity of, of, of spirit. And, um, I'm not, and, and it's not because um, we aren't um a church that um is trying that we're a church that's trying to make it possible for everyone to be part of us and sort of going to the lowest common denominator uh, we have a, a vision that god has given us we have some things that we believe in in scripture that are that are important to us um but um so so i just want to encourage you um in that i've just seen generosity abound in you keep going Keep on being generous with all that you've got for God's glory. In verse seven, he moves on to sort of say that there's a, there's a couple of enemies that can lead us to, to stop sowing generously um, or to do things in a way that it really isn't worship, you know, because generosity is one sense, just an act of worship, isn't it? It's a way in which we are saying to, to, to um, our, our, our God, you are first in importance. I'm taking the things that you've given me and I'm shooting them in a way in which you are asking me to do. And in doing so, it just shows how much we, we love him. But in verse seven, it says this, each of you must give as he has decided in his heart, 
not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And so he just wants to make sure that look, there's, there are some dangers here for us as we have been generous of um, becoming ungenerous or doing thing or giving in a way that isn't um, generous. And um, this, um, he, he draws out two there, doesn't he? He, he draws out um, being um, reluctant to, to give. And sorry, I've just lost, lost my notes. I think it's just disappeared. One second. Sorry. Um, yes, so, um, so two, two of these motivations can creep in. And um, I think they, they, these motivations can come from fear on the one hand and selfishness on the other, and it can turn what is worship into, um, it's a bit cheesy, but into, into workship, where we're, we're working to do it, we're doing it because we feel that we should. But no, he says, no, the gift of worship and generosity in generosity is one that needs to be given freely and without coercion. Um, and so giving it under, without, under compulsion, he's saying, look, we, we shouldn't give it in a way because people expect it from us. Uh, we should give it be, because we want to. We, want, we should give it because out of the overflow of our heart, our, our, we, we want to meet people's need. But, but I think there needs to be a little bit of clarity here, what means by compulsion, because there are kind of two powers at work in us that might feel the same, and they are conviction and compulsion. So um, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. It's a call to obey him, isn't it? Be generous. That's a call from the Holy Spirit. That doesn't come from the church, doesn't come from a pastor, doesn't come from a friend. It, it comes from the Holy Spirit. This is the way in which I want you to, to act. But compulsion comes from the flesh. And it's led not by the Holy Spirit, but it's led by, by fear. I, I feel I should do this because that's what's being asked of me. And these two feelings can feel very the same. The same. So I don't think Paul is saying here, if you feel a call to do something that your flesh doesn't want you to do, don't do it. Because that may well be conviction. He's saying that we shouldn't do something um, where we, 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 in our flesh, we feel we should do it. Um, he wants us to give in, in a way in which is um, cheerful, in a way in which we, 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 we want to give. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit often comes to help us, to show us what to do, to help us conform our will to his. And so we mustn't confuse compulsion with conviction. There is a conviction upon us um, to be generous. Why? Well, we're going to find out because um, God's grace has abounded to us and he's been generous to us. The, the second way is that giving reluctantly. If the first is a compulsion, is from the outside, what we worry that other people think, then reluctance is an internal restraint to generosity is an unwillingness to be generous for some internal reason. And I think the context here is that the reluctance of generosity in, in being generous is something that we know that we, we should do. And it could be for all sorts of reasons. It could be because of comfort, uh, it could be because of security, it could be for anxiety, uh, worry, or, or uh, desire to be in control. And, and ultimately, in terms of 
that reluctance to trust God. It really is always about control, isn't it? We, you know, if we aren't willing to do something the Lord's asking us to do, then it's probably because we're worried about the outcome or we think we want this outcome to, to, to happen. And so there's a, there's a challenge there for us, isn't it? That, that we, we, if we're going to be generous people, we have to surrender our will to his. If we, if we continue to seek to be in control of, of things to manage the outcome, then it, it's likely that we'll either do things under compulsion to make something to happen, or we'll do some, we won't do something because we are reluctant to, to do it. Um, but God is able to help us to be um, reluctant, uh, not reluctant, sorry, to be generous. And I, I want you to know that, um, that I've never regretted a minute of my service for you. Um, some minutes have been more fruitful than others. Some, some, some minutes have been more um, easily given than others, uh, but I have not uh, regretted a single moment spent uh, serving you guys, whether that be a phone call late at night or prayer early in the morning or coming round your the house to visit you or getting up early to paint um, the, the cafe or to order some, some, some goods. Um, or if it's hours in the office studying God's word. But what I, what I do regret is moments where I have been unwilling to serve you. Times where I have chosen selfishly my comfort over yours. And um, I think it could be the same for, for us, you know, in, in our life. You know, we're probably not going to ever regret being generous towards one another and being generous towards the world, but we will regret when we haven't, done those things and so I encourage us to be a people who continue to surrender all the outcomes all our plans um, to Jesus who is able to deliver them that we recognize that generosity um, is a way in which we act out our faith in him we say look this is what you've given me you've asked me to be a steward of this but I want to give it generously to your service to this person why because I, I know that you will be able to produce the outcome that's good for me and good for them. So maybe as you reflect on those two killers of generosity, have any of those crept into your life recently? Do you continue to have the excitement of, of giving generously with your time, with your space, with your money, uh, with your home um, that you once had? If that is the case, then don't be discouraged. This is the reason why the Lord has given me this passage to preach to you. We're able, we are um, able to come before the Lord and confess those things and recognize how that has happened, uh, that we've, we have become um, less generous to, to one another. And, and, and maybe there have been times where this kind of idea of generosity is something that I've just talked about and talked about and talked about and talked about to you guys um and maybe there have been times where that that has led you to do things that you didn't want to do uh, but you did them anyway and I, I commend you for that but I, I pray that that more than that that your hearts will be led um to be motivated not by um my expectations or, or even um, um others expectations but they will be led by, by God's love for us. And um, 
in, in verse eight, Paul then goes on to talk about really what is an antidote to compulsion and reluctance. And that, he says, is recognizing that God is able to make all grace abound to you. So if we want to be know what it, how we can be more generous, then it, it's got to be here. What Paul is saying is that we recognize that God is able to make all grace abound to you. And then he describes that grace that that is all grace. He says all sufficient in all times, in all things, at all times, so that you may abound in every good work. So the reason that we receive grace, the reason why the grace abounds to us. Um, is that it may be able to us abound in every good work. So grace, we receive grace, then uh, we abound in grace. So that's the sort of receiving the harvest. And then we sow in every good work and then we receive all grace and abound. So it's got this circular or circular uh, process of sort of abounding in every good work, receiving more grace. The more grace we receive, the more we're able to abound in every good work. The more we abound in every good work, the more grace that we need from, from him. Notice the completeness and the universal nature of this grace. Um, all, he says, all grace, all sufficient, all things, all times. And this is one of the, 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 the most beautiful things, isn't it, about, about being under the lordship of Christ and being sons and daughters of the living God, that he's able to make um, every, uh, he's able to meet every need that we need according to his grace. And the grace that he's talking about here is a redemptive grace, isn't a common grace, but a redemptive grace that's through Christ, through being united with Christ, um, through faith, he's able to give us exactly what we need in every situation and that's both past present and and future um i haven't got time to read it now but if you go through uh, ephesians um, chapter one um which we will actually in um, from january onwards um we'll see some of the grace that he he's given us you know he's chosen us before the foundation of all he's adopted us to be his sons through christ um uh, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his, of his grace. Um, we've obtained an inheritance. Um, we, we are the first to hope in Christ. And these are things which have happened because of salvation past. But, but not only that, he, he meets our need every single day. Um, and the word sufficiency here means adequate resources within it means that christ will give, a, give us adequate resources to meet the demands of life and as christians we, we need help and encouragement don't we to, to be generous and his grace is what he gives us to continue to be to be to be generous and we can go um to the the water from the well that just keeps on giving jesus doesn't ever run out of grace for us he gives us the grace that we need for each for each day we lack nothing we lack no good thing um so your ge generosity doesn't depend on what you have you might be saying i don't have much i mean what have i got to offer god what i've got to offer one another i i, I don't know what it is no it, it it doesn't your generosity doesn't depend on what you have it depends on what he has and what he is going to supply to you he is able to supply exactly what you need and um, he's able to give you um, what you need to do the things that he's calling you to do. And he says, describes it saying all things at all times. So basically, there's not one situation where 
God is not able to meet your need. And Paul uses in this this uh, image of farming um, and interesting, isn't it? Like he says, it's sowing and the reaping. And in a farming context, one sows and then one waits for the harvest. There's a there's a certainty that some harvest will come. But but you kind of sow and, and then you wait and then you reap. But but in in this context, Paul is saying that it's kind of different to that because the, the reaping, uh, there's an instant reaping that takes place, that we receive God's grace for that moment, for that time, that he, we don't have to wait um, for, for the outcome of our investment. Now, there are things that we receive straight away, and there are things that we wait for, and God gives us um, them to us, but there's an instant um, answer to our need where God is able to meet um, all our, our needs in, in Christ Jesus. So in every good work, he's able to meet our need. He's able to enable us to do every good work, to be generous to, towards others, and not according to what we have, but according to, to what he has and what he promises to give us. You know, when we recognize how our heavenly father promises to take care of us, that can lead us to even greater generosity that we can possibly imagine that we can do. And we will do it cheerfully. Why? Because we know he will promise to meet our, our needs. Sometimes we worry, well, if I do this, how will this take place? Well, we don't need to worry about that. He's promised to meet our needs. We can take risks for Jesus. We can, um, we can bless other people in a way that's going to cost us greatly. Why? Because we know that he will meet our, our need. He will take care of us. He will give us um, what we need for this next day. And then just finally, I'm just going to talk about verses 10 and 11 just to finish, just to kind of show, look, there's a benefit here. I don't think we, I think the benefit here is just serving God and loving him. But um, Paul also wants to show them that um, as we as we follow this generous sowing, um, that it, 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 it does come back to us. So he says this in verse 10, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your, your, your righteousness. So the first thing that we see here is that to those who sow, those who receive what God has given them, take it, they receive the supply, it comes from God, they get the seed, so God will give us the time, God will give us the energy, God will give us the money, God will give us uh, the space, um, and he supplies those seeds. Um, now, as we use that to bless others, he will multiply it and he will increase a harvest of your righteousness, he says. So he's saying, look, as you live this life of sowing um, for me, what one of the things that will take place is a righteousness in you. This is not that we're working to receive a righteousness, a right relationship with God, but it's a, a righteousness in, in the sense of being right, doing the right thing, um, growing in rightness with him, growing in holiness with him. And um, I think I've seen that. I think I've seen that in, in many of the guys in, in Oikos, that as you've sought to sow, your heart and your character has been changed. 
that that uh, grace motivated generosity has built your character and it's not something that you ne- that, that there are just ways in which god has changed the way in which you think and the way in which you see the world which has led you to to have a, a character that brings glory to god the second thing he says is that um it will multiply and so we get to uh, be involved in the miracle of multiplication um and this farmer is is different and not a farmer normally has to decide where he sows his seed where 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 can i sow my seed he's going to work out how much do i keep for food and how much do i sow in the ground i need to eat so i need to make bread and i need to eat it and then i need to to sow in the ground some stuff so that later on i will have more seed so i can sow that seed and i can make food for us but we don't need to have we don't need to to think in that way why because god is the one who's able to multiply the seed he gives us the seed that we need to plant and he gives us the seed that we need to feed ourselves. We don't have to be concerned about how much seed we've got. We've just got to take what we've got and invest it in the kingdom. So money is seed, time is seed, helps are seed, your home is a seed, your words are a seed. And God says, let's invest it according to God's grace. If you do invest it, it will multiply from for his glory and meet the needs of other peoples, including yourselves. So one of the great joys is being involved in in gospel ministry is that the miracle of multiplication. And then just finally, just one more thing, and then I'll bring it to to a close, is that verse 11 says this. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way that through that through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So the final thing he says, look, as you sow. You will be enriched and other people will be enriched. As the farmer works the ground, as he sows the seed, there's just a physical exertion that, he t- that takes place that works his muscles. It instantly brings a health to his body. Why? Because that's it's physical work. And the same is true with, with us being generous. It works our spiritual muscles. It, it works our, 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 our faith in him. We, as we as we as we give away what we have it leads to us needing to trust in him more and more and i pray that you know our prayer for us is that we will continue to lift lift heavier weights the more that we sow that the more our faith will be will, will be will be grown as we as we give what we have it's not about quantity here let me be clear this is just about what we have and giving it away for for his his glory um and it benefits other people you know we take what we have and we give it i'm sure each one of us could give a testimony of of, of where other people's generosity to us has really met our our need that god has used each one of us um to enrich one another um so just to finish then, just to bring this to, to a close. I just want to commend you, Oikos, for being generous. I have loved your generosity. Um, I've, me and Joe have been beneficiaries of your, your generosity. And it's one of the things I, I, I most appreciate about you. Um, and as we leave, I want to encourage you not to stop that. 
not to waste your life keeping your seed to yourself, feeding yourself, but to, to give it away, invest your talents in the kingdom of God. So the seed of, of, of the gifts that God has given you for the purpose of God's kingdom. And don't let discouragement or don't less, uh, uh, let um, the, the things of the world um, derail you from living this glorious and generous life. Why? Because God is able to meet all your needs according to his abounding grace. He's able to give you fresh grace every single day. It is sufficient in all places and all times and in every way. I pray that the fact that you know that, that your Heavenly Father will take care of you, will lead you to continue to just sow, 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 sow into Erdington, sow into your neighbours, sow into your marriage, sow, sow into to, to, to the church um, in all these different ways. Why? Because you know that as you do that, he will meet your need. Um, I pray that God will bless you for your generosity, that it will lead to the enrichment of your life, that it will lead to joy, peace, contentment. I pray that it will lead to multiplication, that many people will come to know Christ because they see the generosity that you have for one another and for the world, and that they will lead them to find out that it's really motivated by what Christ has done for you, his generous life to you. So just to finish with one quote from Jim Elliot, fairly famous, I've used it before. It says this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Seed goes off. I love the picture of the manna from heaven. They could only eat what God gave them for this day. And so um, I pray that we will live lives just generous, trusting day by day in the grace that God has for us. Love you guys. God bless you. And I'm going to hand back to, to Dan now. Thank you. Thank you, Jez. Um, 